Um, Father, we are um, so grateful for the privilege that is ours to be able to come into your presence. And uh, we thank you for uh, your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who has made that um, possible. And thank you for this this day uh, in which we celebrate in the church the coming of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we are grateful um, for that gift. And uh, we pray for your presence, Holy Spirit, in our midst. Um, and that you would speak uh, to our hearts as only you can. And as only you can minister to us, we ask for that. Um, Father, we pray that uh, your name and your word would be exalted above all things. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, third week, John 14, 15, and 16. Um, and this week, um, as Providence would have it, it would fall. I had no idea when Gil asked me to teach this class that this last week would would correspond with Pentecost. And when Jesus speaks to his disciples uh, uh, close to his departure, that he would speak to them about the Holy Spirit coming. And um, but the thing that we have tried to, to, to build is our context, and we have, not that we've tried, but that we have, and it is true that the context of John 14, 15, and 16 <clears throat> is this departure of Jesus. In John 13, 1, Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. And uh, in John 13, uh, 33, he speaks to the disciples and, he's, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you, not, you cannot come. And so with these words, Jesus has... Um, left these 11 men because Judas Iscariot has, has, has left them at this point. Um, he has left these 11 men who have been with him for three and a half years somewhat undone. Um, we know from John 14:1 that their hearts are troubled, um, which means they're stirred up, they're agitated, uh, and this prospect of change, of Jesus leaving them, um, has created with them, within them a confusion, a bewilderment, um, almost to the, well, not to, to the point he even says, that they're in a state of grief. Um, and as we would say in the South, they, they're having a good old come apart, and they have lost um, the joy. Um and so what we have in John 14, 15, and 16 is this intimate conversation that Jesus has with these 11 men as he prepares to leave them. And, um, and he seeks to bring them into truth. He speaks truth to them, and he, try, and he seeks to bring them into the truth of his word um, to provide comfort. Um, and as we talked a little bit, not a little bit, we talked a lot last week about purpose. Um, and, and today we'll talk about um, 
again, comfort with the idea of the coming of the Holy Spirit uh, to be with them in his absence. Um, so Jesus speaks the truth to these men uh, as he prepares to leave them so that their hearts may not be troubled. Um, and in, in John 14, um, you know, 1 through 11 or so, he, 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 he says to them, trust in God. Do not, first he says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Let me say that. And Julie and I were talking about this on the way in. I said, you know, that's so emphatic. It wasn't, you know, well, you know, just try not to let your hearts be troubled. You know, try to, I mean, it is emphatic. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And what we've spoken for the last two meetings that we've been together is that with these words of trust in God and trust also in me, um, we, we, we have seen that you know nothing is hidden from God's side. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before him. He, he knows our hearts. He knows our anxious thoughts. And um, the first week we did talk about Moses in the burning bush when God appeared to him. And he told Moses, I have seen the misery of my people and I have heard them crying out. And I am concerned. So I have come down. And so with that, Jesus says, trust in this God who, who, who loves you, who cares for you, who is concerned for you when your hearts are troubled. And then he says, trust in me, in that I'm the one who's come down. I am God in the flesh. I've come down upon this earth. So trust also in me. Because I am the one who is, who's come to reconcile you back to God, to bring you back into a relationship with him, and to give you eternal life. And he all but says that, in that when he says, you know, I am leaving, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I am going to prepare a place for you, then I will come back. And I will bring you to be with me. And so with those words of truth that he's going to prepare a place and he will come back, um, his intention is to comfort these men as they're troubled with the thought that Jesus is leaving. And we talked about this idea of life on this earth. Once we are sincere believers, as Martin Luther says, it's a pilgrimage. If you are a sincere believer, you have all God's treasures and you are his child. And the rest of your life on earth is merely a pilgrimage. This time that we live on earth is just a preparation for what is to come at the end of life for believers. Um, um, and so... Um, and he speaks, and he says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And, um, and so he wants these words of, of truth to comfort us on this pilgrimage of life, that our eternal security, our, our eternal well-being is, is secured for us in heaven. Jesus is there now preparing a place for these men, and he will come back and bring them to be with him. Um, then last week we spoke about, well, what about this in-between time? Jesus has gone to heaven. 
He's preparing a place, but these 11 men were still on earth. They still had to live that life. And that thought of doing that apart from His presence again was causing them to be troubled. And and we looked at some of the things that Jesus said to them, and, it, and it, my observation was it, it spoke to them about purpose, a purpose for life, and the overriding purpose was that they would bring glory to the Father. And we talked about the Westminster Confession of Faith, the, 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 the question that it asks is, what is man's chief end? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. And so... In this in-between time, then our lives on this pilgrimage are to be lived to the glory of the Father. And we looked at, at, at six things. We didn't cover them all, but we, we, we walked through them. I'm not going to go into any, in, into any of them with any you know, great detail here. But we looked at the fact that there were works to do. There was a kingdom to advance. And Jesus says, the works that I have done, you will do even greater works than these to these men that he had left behind. There's, there are works to be done. There's a kingdom to advance. Uh, he spoke to them about, about prayer. That until now you've not asked anything in my name. Ask and you will receive. And the point was there that there are prayers to say. We have prayers to say. Um, and these men had prayers to say. And, and, the, and the truth that when our hearts are troubled, we have a God who cares. And we can cast that anxiety upon him. Because he cares for us. And so there are prayers to say. And uh, I gave a little shout out to my boss's mother who's now dead. But I said that she would sign off every card and every letter that she wrote. S-Y-P. Say your prayers. Say your prayers. So there's prayers to say. There are commands to obey. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And, um, and he says that numerous times throughout these chapters. And so part of our, our purpose, and if we're to, to glorify God on this earth, is to obey the Word of God. And we saw that Jesus did exactly what His Father told Him to do when He was on earth. Um, and He brought Him glory uh, by completing the work that God had given Him to do. Um, and then we, 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 we said also that there was a relationship to maintain, and we got that out of John 15 where He speaks of... Um, abiding in the vine, abide in me and I will abide in you. Apart from me you can do nothing. Um, and so there was this, this idea of, of part of our purpose as his children is to, to, to maintain our relationship with God as we, we walk through this life and this pilgrimage. And then there was fruit to bear um, and a testimony to be given um, by these men and by us as well. These men were given a specific testimony to give because they had been with Jesus. They had seen him. They had touched him. They had eaten with him. And, and theirs was to give a testimony of, 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 of their having physically been with him. You know, and for us, our testimony is not so much that, that we can attest to having physically been with him, but, but our testimony is the, is the fact that the gospel has invaded our lives and changed our lives and made us different people. Um, and that's the testimony um, that we have uh, to offer to this world as we, as we spend time here, that the gospel of Jesus Christ has, has 
impacted my heart and my life, and it's changed me, and it is changing me, and it's making me a different person. So he speaks to these men who are left behind about purpose, which is to glorify their father on earth um, until he comes again. Um, But now he speaks to them words of comfort as he speaks of the Holy Spirit. Um, if you have a, a Bible with you, you can turn to, to John 14. Um, John 14, I want to begin reading at verse 15. <clears throat> and he says, If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And then John 16, verse 5. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Because I have said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the Counselor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. And so for the first time, the Holy Spirit is mentioned as Christ's special gift to his people as he prepares to leave them on this earth and he speaks of the Holy Spirit as a person he uses pronouns he says he he says him Um, but he calls him the counselor and the Greek word here and I'm no Greek scholar and I'm not going to belabor this but the Greek word is parakletos is that right? thank you very much that, that's the verb, and then the paraclete is right. Yeah, for the now. And, and, and that particular word, from what I, you know, my sources, was it's five times it's used in the New Testament, all of them by John, this idea of the counselor. And the definition that I liked, I'm teaching the class, I can pick the one I like. <laughs> <laughs> this idea of the, of the counselor is one who is called to someone's aid. One who is called to someone's aid. So he speaks to these 11 men who are troubled in grief because of his departure. And he says, I am going to send the counselor. I'm going to send one. I'm going to send someone to your aid in my absence. And so John portrays this the spirit's intimate role as another Jesus for them who will live with them and in them and we'll talk a little bit about that later Um, but I was thinking about this and I confirmed this with Julie on the way in when Julie homeschooled our children through various grades and one of the things they would do on a regular basis was work through the children's catechism and there was the question of who is God or no what what is God what is God and the answer was God is a spirit and he does not have a body 
And our youngest would say, God is a spirit and he does not have a body. And so here we have the spirit who comes to our aid, but he does not have a body. So Jesus was saying to these trouble-hearted men, just as I have been with you for three years, and I've instructed you, I've guided you, I've sent you out on missions, um, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm coming to you and I'm going to send you another comforter. So you must not be troubled because you are not going to be left as orphans. I'm not going to depart and desert you. Um, I want to read this this quote. This is another quote from that the Luther devotion, Faith Alone. And um, I'll read slow, but hang with me. Um, the title of this devotion is Our Counselor, and it is taken from John 14, 16. It's correct to say that the Holy Spirit is our counselor, because that's what he does and is supposed to do. Right now, I don't want to to debate about his divine being or substance. Christ indicates here that the, the Spirit is a distinct person. The Holy Spirit is neither the Father nor the Son. But in John 15, we also see that the Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit is one in essence with the Father and the Son. For now, it's enough to learn that he is called a counselor for us. The word counselor shows us how we should think of the Holy Spirit. A counselor is not a lawgiver or someone like Moses who frightens us with the devil, death, and hell. No, a counselor fills a troubled heart with joy towards God. A counselor encourages us to be happy that our sins have been forgiven. Death has been conquered. Heaven has been opened and God is smiling upon us. Whoever understands what it means for the Holy Spirit to be our counsel, counselor will have already won the battle. That person will find nothing but pure comfort and joy in heaven and on earth because the Father is, one, is the one who sends him to help us. And because Christ is the one who asks him to do so, this sending is certainly not done out of anger. Instead, it flows from a fatherly, heartfelt love. So Christians should remind themselves of this name for the Holy Spirit. He is a counselor, and we are the troubled and timid ones whom he helps. Father, forgive me. I believe, help me in my own belief. But isn't that wonderful that he sends this counselor, one who is called to someone's aid, and to encourage us and to minister to us in our troubles. I um, went to college in California and um, was going to go home one weekend and began to get sick. could tell I was getting sick, so I left a day early, went home, ended up spending 10 days in bed, and finally got well enough to go back. And drove back on a Monday and got there around dinner time. And um, 
walked into the cafeteria, which was, again, this was, this was familiar territory, had been there for a couple of years, walk in and it was like I was in a whole nother world. The, 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 the feeling of loneliness was just overwhelming. You know, I got my tray, walked out of the cafeteria, and it, it was just these mass of people just, you know, doing their thing, talking, sitting with friends, you know, just what, what you do when you, you eat in a cafeteria at college. But the loneliness was just, and it was as if this was just this strange world of existence. And I finally managed to sit down, eat my food, and, and got up to walk out. And as I walked out, the person who God used in my life, in my conversion and in my nurturing, met me at the door as we walked out. And we walked outside, and he came up alongside of me, and he put his arm around me. And I just fell apart and began to weep. And, and, and I, I don't know why I thought of this story, but it, it, I guess it's because it was that comfort that someone came alongside of me in, in my troubled heart, in my, my, that unbelievable sense of loneliness. I don't know that I've ever experienced that again. But someone came alongside and put his arm around me. And, that, and, and the comfort that came from that was, was just overwhelming. And I, and I think that's, that's a weak illustration, but I think it, it, it's, it's a similar point that in this world where life comes at us fast, as the insurance commercial says, and our hearts are troubled, we have the, the counselor who comes to our aid uh, to comfort us. So... Um, the Holy Spirit is the counselor, one who comes to our aid. Um, and then we have John 14:17, where he speaks of, again, let me read it, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This counselor whom Jesus asks the Father to send, he lives with us. He, well, I, you know, let me just... I keep jumping ahead of myself. He lives, he says to these 11 men that he will live with you and he will be with you. Um, you know, this indwelling of this Holy Spirit who abides within us. Um, it's just hard to get a, a grasp on that. But, um, but he is, an, uh, his, his presence within us is indwelling. It is within us. Um, and, and, and Paul um, speaks of that in Ephesians chapter 1 when he, when he speaks of, to the, writes to the Ephesians who, and, and their, their faith in Christ. Um, and he says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard, this is verse 13, chapter 1, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And so God deposits, he seals us with his Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. And then in chapter 2, he, he also speaks of, of uh, 
about the Jews coming to faith in Christ that we're as in as Gentiles. We both are saved through faith. Um, and so he says in 2.19, I'll begin reading there. He says, consequently, you are no longer for, speaking to the Gentiles. Now he says, consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling, and this is what I like, to become a dwelling in which God lives by his Holy Spirit. And so what, is God, what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of these 11 men is, is, is making them a dwelling in which he lives by his Spirit. Um, and then you probably are familiar with some of Paul's passages. Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and, and that the Holy Spirit lives in you? Um, that your body is, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. But this whole idea that the, that the counselor uh, dwells within us. And that is meant to provide comfort um, to these 11 men as they, as they, they wrestle in, in, in how they're to live apart from Christ's presence. Um, and then the Spirit will teach and remind you... Um, of all things and guide you into all truth. John 14, 26. But the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. John 16, 12 through 15. I have much more to say, more than you can bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine, and that is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So he will teach you, he will remind you, and he will guide you into all truth. And this is the promise that Jesus gives to these 11 men to speak comfort to their hearts. That the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is the author of truth. All scripture is God breathed. Um, men of God were moved by the Holy Spirit as they wrote um, 2 Peter 1.21. And, um, and the spirit that we have received from God is so that we might know the things of God. Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 2.12. Um, and so this spirit, this Holy Spirit, this counselor, uh, his purpose in coming and, and being alongside of us and dwelling in us is to teach and to remind and to guide and to truth. <clears throat> Um, and then um, at the end of John chapter 15, he, he, he says this, When the Counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And you also must testify, for you have been with me from the beginning. And so this Spirit who will come... Um, 
and has promised to come and be alongside of these men will testify about Jesus. And he says, and so you must also testify. And the interesting thing to me about that in the context of that last part of chapter 15 is that this is happening in a world that is hostile. Did I say that right? That didn't sound right. But in a world that, 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 that hated Jesus, they hate these men because of, of, of the truth. But yet he says, the Spirit will testify, and you also need to testify. Um, and so the Spirit has a specific role in the lives of believers. He has a to, to teach, to guide, to remind, and, and to testify. Um, through these men and, and because of these men. Um, so let me stop there. Any questions? Any comments? Is that right? Julie, is that time right? Am I good yes. there? Okay. I thought, your, I thought your example was great. And uh, he said in the sermon that it is a hostile world. So mm-hmm. that's my comment. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Thank you. Um, yeah, I also liked what, what he said that the, the problem is within. Our problems are within. Our hearts are troubled, um, you know, and through faith in the gospel and, and, and believing in God and in His Son, you know, our hearts are changed. And, and that's the, the, the crux of the issue um, in this world because Jesus doesn't paint a rosy color, you know, a rosy picture for life in this world. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. Um, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Um, I've quoted twice uh, from the from uh, streams in the desert, where um, there's a little quote there. Uh, let's see if I can remember it now. Um, Jesus is not my security from the storms of life, but He is my perfect security in the storms. He has never promised me an easy passage. Only a safe arrival. Um, and, and, and so when he says, I go to prepare a place for you, you know, that's our safe arrival. That we will be with him when he comes back. Uh, um, so, um, so anyway, he promises this, this counselor to come, to be with these men, to comfort them. He promises that the counselor will lead and guide them, teach them truth, remind them of truth. Um, how did it all work out? How did it all work out? Um, let's flip to Acts 2 just real quick. Just I'm going to try to cover this quickly. Uh, we're run out of time. Um, just a couple of things I thought were kind of interesting. Um, you know, we talked about as a part of the purpose of life was to testify. There's a testimony to be given in this world. And uh, chapter 2, verse 22, Peter stands up and he says, Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs. What God did among you through him, as you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose. Then um, he goes on and God has raised this Jesus to life. This is verse 32. And we are all witnesses of this fact. 
exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father, we have received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit. So here Jesus on the day of Pentecost stands up and he says, we are witnesses to this fact that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. And he testifies because he saw it with his own eyes. He saw him with his own eyes. So he testifies of, of this Jesus of Nazareth whom God raised from the dead. And then he goes on, 36, Therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And that's part of the greater works. They testify. 3,000 people come to Christ, are converted on this day of Pentecost. And these, and these are the greater works that Jesus said these men would do when He left and gave them the Holy Spirit. Um, I said One of the things I said last week was there's a relationship to maintain. Look at 242. As it talks about these believers, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There were prayers to say. There was a relationship to maintain. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple's courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There was a relationship to maintain. There were prayers to say. Um, there was a word that was to abide in them. They gave themselves to the apostles' teaching. There was a God to glorify on this earth. Um, yes, ma'am. That's how I drive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> me as well. Um, yeah. No, no. But, and then that someone pours champagne down the top, and it just trickles down, and you see all of the many glasses at the bottom become filled with champagne because of those ones at the top. I kind of see this throughout the ages. That it begins at Pentecost, mm -hmm. and that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are convicted of sin, we come to faith in Jesus Christ, mm -hmm. and then through that faith in Jesus Christ, we then also receive the promise. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that's that purpose. Why we were here in this pilgrimage, you know, is to continue that process. There is a kingdom to advance, and um, so thank you for sharing that. And um, but let me. Um, I'm not, I had a couple other things there from the, the from the book of Acts, but I'm, I'm not gonna. I just kind of want to wrap up. Um, you know, in conclusion. Um, 
to kind of try to tie it all up. So Jesus, you know, here are these eleven men. Jesus is leaving. They're troubled. Their their hearts are troubled. And he says, "Believe in God. Believe in me. I've 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 secured your eternal security. I'm leaving you on earth." To fulfill a purpose, to glorify the Father. I'm sending you a counselor to be with you so that you can do this work that I have for you to do. And, um, and in 16.1, he says this, All this, all this I have told you so that you will not go astray. So that you will be faithful. Okay? And then 14.27, um, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give with you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I tell you all this so that in this world you will have trouble, but I will give you my peace. And then John 16:33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. Um, I'm going to leave you one last prayer. Say your prayers. And here's a prayer we can say. John, Luke 11, 13. I'm going to start verse 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish... We'll give him a snake instead. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. We should pray every day. Two th- well, you preach the gospel to yourself every day. And then pray that God would fill you and empower you with His Holy Spirit to bring Him glory on this earth. That's my conclusion. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, this glorious day where you sent your spirit into this world and we remember the history of that. Father, thank you that you sent your son to bring us to you, uh, to forgive us, cleanse us, to give us purpose in life. Thanks for the Holy Spirit. Father, give us the spirit. May he fill us and live in us, empower us, and forgive us for how we quench him and uh, have mercy on us. Father, we believe. Help us in our unbelief. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good day. Oh, I was going to suggest a couple things. If y'all, uh, this is a book by Martin Lloyd Jones. He's dead uh, now, but uh, died in 1981. Uh, Let not your hearts be troubled. A series of eight sermons on John 14. Um, great book. Really enjoyed it. Um, one of my favorite authors, Jerry Bridges, um, trusting God even with li- even when life hurts. Great book, highly recommend it. I uh, think it ties in with what we've been talking about. And then this book, J.I. Packer, Knowing God, classic.
If you haven't read it, I highly recommend that you read it. Okay? So thanks for your time and attention. Thank you. Thank you.